Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mail Right Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a piece of content that I actually produced for my uh, primary uh, channel, my YouTube channel, Inboundari, uh, YouTube forward slash InboundREM. And the title of the content is The Top 10 uh, Real Estate Video Mistakes Agents and Brokers Make. Basically, I counted down the top mistakes that I make agents see agents do with video. And uh, when John and I were talking about it, he thought it would be a good idea for us to talk about the mail with the mail right audience. And uh, here we are. Hopefully you guys agree. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to any of the new listeners and audience members that we might have. That's great. Thanks, Robert. Uh, I'm the joint founder of MailRight. We build custom or semi-custom websites for real estate agents on WordPress. So you own your main digital asset. Plus, we've got a suite of fantastic technology which we bolt on to your website. You own it. You own the data. As you know, it's better to own something than to lease it, a concept which you should clearly understand. If that sounds interesting, and it should do, um, contact me on the MailRight website. You, we can do a free consultation and demo. I'm sure you're going to be impressed. Back over to you, Robert. All right. So let's, uh, let's come out swinging, everybody. Uh, the number one mistake that I see with, uh, with, with agents and brokers on real estate video. Now, I'm going to preface this just the slightest little bit. 82% of the world spent their time last year on video. It's the number one piece, piece of consumed media. When I'm making my recommendations for mistakes, I'm not making them from a, uh, like a branding perspective. I'm not a branding expert, guys. I'm a, I'm a conversion optimization, an SEO guy, an inbound marketing guy, all those things I am. I'm not usually focused strictly on brand unless your brand is, is, is information. So having said that, the number one mistake that I see people making because it removes the ability to get response from your videos is not personalizing your videos. Number one mistake. Okay. Number one mistake. You, if you want to generate a lead, a contact, a connection off a of video, you must be present on the video, not a little screen cap that shows your number and your address like as part of the video is like a picture of you in a, a beautiful suit, you know? Um, no. Would, I, would I look good? Would I look good in a nice suit? Robert? You look great in a nice suit. Why don't you ever wear them? Don't know. Kind of casual for this. There we go. <laughs> I don't know, John. I've never seen a picture of you in a suit. So I would imagine you look, uh, you look like a fancy English bloke. Um, that's the, kind, that's the kindest thing he's ever said to me in almost over two years. <laughs> so, you, um, so what does personalizing video mean? Let's let's dig into it because um, personalizing video can can mean driving in a car, can mean doing market updates. It can be, but you're in front of the camera. People are getting a chance to know you, which is. The, the idea behind personal social media, which I think people have missed, is uh, real estate companies and brokers and like are always thinking that they've got to make a commercial quality video, like the, everything's got to be crystal clear and they've got to be dressed right and their makeup and their hair is done correctly and the sound is perfect and they've got the right background. And when the more of those layers that you add into your requirements, the harder the video becomes to do. All right. Everybody notice that? 
right? All that is required for video to be really successful, to help you with SEO, to help you with leads, to help you with building a brand, as long as your brand is authenticity and, and personal, it's personality traits and not surface shit, then the number one thing that you can do is talk to the camera and display your expertise. If you don't have expertise, for those of you who are listening to the show that are brand new agents or in your first year or second year, um, my recommendation is, is that you treat your first two or three years of your career uh, like somebody would treat a PhD. Become an expert as fast as you humanly can. When you're not selling a deal, I would be down at the city, city planner's office learning everything that there is to know about the way that my city was built, how the houses were built, who built them, when did they build them, what did they build them with? Like, and that I would start there. I would first become an area historian and make sure that my knowledge was way beyond what everybody else's is, which is why I said the city planner's office. Because if all you're doing is looking online for other digital content, you're actually following in the footsteps of somebody else. I can tell you from personal experience that very few people take the time to get the information for a unique story. I can also tell you it exists. Like the guy that built Van Nuys, there's a story about him down at the city planner's office from when he built Van Nuys in 1907. And it explains what, what we did, how we licensed this area of the LA County basin out, who was here, which was almost nobody back then, how we ended up with the only city, major city hall of any city that's local to Los Angeles County. All those, those story-based answers are available at a library or the city planner's office. So uh, if you do a little bit of research, you can at least sound like you're fascinated with the area that you service. Now, John and everybody that's listening, I have some sad news. The guy that championed this cause originally, he was not much of a digital marketer, but he was a legend in real estate. He was, he had published, I think, six or seven books on architecture in LA County alone. He was literally probably one of the most knowledgeable city historians that I've ever run across. He just didn't publish his information digitally. That was Jeff Highland, who unfortunately passed from cancer at the age of 73 from Hilton and Highland. So it's my sad duty to pass that information along to our listeners and to you possibly, John. Um, but but he he was the original 20, 30 years ago when he started Hilton Highland, a lot of his super wealthy clients were coming to him because they knew that nobody knew LA architecture like he did. I'm nobody. He really was one of the very best. You just wouldn't see it online. But his clients would know it, which is why they would hire him over and over again. If you have that kind of knowledge, you should be doing video with it. Um, anyway, so John, that's number one. Do you have any questions? Do you have any comments? You're, just, you're unusually silent today. Well, um, on a technical front, I think the other factor, which is count, count, counter-intuitive, is for effective video, you need really good sound. Um, I think what Robert has said, you know, there's kind of, there's there's either the personalised video when you're looking at camera, you're doing a podcast, you're doing a combination of video or a podcast, you're doing a video which is information about, um, and I agree 
with Robert, the more you can become an expert of your area, the more value you will offer to your clientele and value rather than price. If you're just going for price, that's a downward spiral. So you should be offering more value and just saying we offer the best service. Well, unfortunately, every real estate agent says that or believes that, that they offer the best service. So you need to show something more than that, and that's through knowledge, as what Robert... But on a technical thing, what people won't put up with in a a face-to-face video or any type of video is really bad sound. They just... They will just bow out. So that's one aspect that you have to keep in consideration. Sure. Um, I can't say that I necessarily disagree with that, but it does play, it opens very nicely the segue into mistake number two, uh, which I kind of covered in mistake number one, which is don't overanalyze. The number one mistake or the number two mistake that I see agents and brokers make is getting lost in the sauce with things like this. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not disagreeing with John. I will say this. If you're trying to measure what your priorities are, your first priority is to get used to doing video. And everybody's like, but but what if my first video is bad or what if they can't hear me right? Well, these are valid concerns. John is not wrong. However, if you're not producing video at all, if you're not getting off the bench, then you're that's a far worse mistake than producing something that may not be the greatest. I, as part of my video on this series, showed something that Christoph produced 11 years ago, which looks nothing like what he produced today. And 11 years ago, his Camry work was shaky. As a matter of fact, I think in that first video, there is a single segment where his his voice gets a little lower. It gets a little warbly because he hadn't quite figured out all the sound on the video. It, It has nothing compared to his normal production value. He isn't dressed the way that he's normally dressed like it was a completely different beast. Mm-hmm. Yet, even 11 years ago, it had 2,000 views. I don't know what the result was of the video because it was promoting a very specific investment piece of property that he was trying to get off the market. So I don't know if that was successful or not. What I will say is that um, what I really admired about him is he sat down at lunch from me about 11 years ago, and he told me, I'm going to do video. I've heard that a lot. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And then almost within 30 days, he was out there producing his first videos. And they were, he will acknowledge at so many times, maybe even 30 or 40 times he said, my first stuff was not great. Like he'll, he said it. He said it on our podcast, I think. He literally said, like, uh, like it just wasn't the best. But the only way you get better is by getting off the bench and doing it. Gary Vaynerchuk, me, every single influencer that you hear, listen to, see, they will say the same thing. Get off the bench and start doing the work and the work will get better. So you've got to get the work done. That's the first thing. Don't overanalyze. That's mistake number two. Any, you want to, you want to zing me there? Just quickly, um, I totally agree with you. What I meant by the sound is don't become what I classify as a sound Nazi. You know, you, 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 but on the other hand, 
if you're doing a video about a property, jump in your car. Don't do it outside where the wind's blowing a gale and they won't be able to hear a word. Um, it just needs to be reasonable, the sound. I'm not saying, like, as, like I just said, you don't need to be a sound nutsy. It just needs, you just need to keep your audience in mind. That's what I really meant. But I totally agree with you, Robert. Lovely. Third mistake I be, see I, I see people making with video, and it's a little vague in my notes. I'm realizing it says not adding your personal information. And I spent the first you know couple minutes of this video of this podcast talking to our audience about how oh you're not supposed to do this little thumbnail at the beginning of the video. Well, what I mean by not adding your personal information is actually in the description. When you create a video. Um, many of my favorite people that I follow, they put every social channel, they put some affiliate marketing links, they put their phone number, they put their email address. And I agree with that. Give everybody every opportunity to reach out to you should they want to. The video is the idea behind it is to make a personal connection. One of my top, actually, that's not even true. I, when I was just doing consulting, which was for a couple of years of my career with real estate people, all we would do is video with personal stuff in it, right? I wasn't even doing the work. I was just telling them what to do. And we would get calls off the video. That's how I knew before I even started my agency that it was effective. It was a really effective method. Now people call me off my videos. They reach out to me off my videos. They reach out to my clients who put the phone numbers. Actually, at this point, I'm doing that work. I'm putting the phone numbers in. So they reach out to the client off that work. If you don't put it there, you're eliminating all of this communication I'm talking about. They won't try to look you up. Like they may know your name off the video, but they, it is for many people, it is simply re really convenient to go into the description and go, ah, this is how I reach you and then reach out to you. So number three mistake, I don't see people putting their personal contact information inside the description notes. John? Oh, I'll just look. On reflection, I've been terrible about that, and I produce a lot of video through this podcast and my other podcast. Um, plus, I do a lot of video in general. Um, you just pointed that will be resolved from this week. Every week, <laughs> the, the phone number contact details will be in every video. Robert, thank you for that. Sure. Um, so here's mistake number four. If anybody here is going to think that they're going to post more than one video a month, there's the benchmark. There are very cheap, very effective YouTube plugins that make the optimization of videos easy as opposed to hard. Now, what is video optimization? For me and my agency, which do this professionally, it's an eight-point optimization process, which, by the way, John doesn't follow. The eight-point optimization process is a thumbnail, which John gets is a description, which he gets, a video index, which he does not, um, a uh, the personal contact information, which you just mentioned, which he already called out for himself that he doesn't do, location tags, which he's, I, I think you do sporadically. So location tags. Uh, and here's what is absolutely not done. He uses machine-generated closed captions, whereas you should use manual closed captions. Now, you're not going to do them for these podcasts, John. You're not going to do them for an hour-long podcast where you, are, you and I are talking to each other. It doesn't make sense. But when you're doing five-minute neighborhood videos, which almost everybody listening should be doing, what you're going to do is if you close caption it manually, very few people know this, but Google gives a 
secret bonus credit to the optimization of the video that says that now they ignore the closed captioning if you're using machine generated because they know already through scientific study that it's only 90% accurate. And they're not interested in 90% accurate. Yes, it works. When you turn on the button, they know that it doesn't do it precisely. They're perfectly aware of it. So what do they want? They want the same things that ever all users want. They want perfect. They want word for word accuracy. So if you go in there and manually type what was being said on the video, Google looks at that as an entire page of unique content connected to both the video. And if you use another SEO strategy where you say the video has a home, you can send a signal, which is called canicalizing the URL that the video goes on to, which now tells Google that you designed the video for this web page. Guess what? It counts as content towards that web page. So you have a huge hidden bonus mine of content if you manually close caption the video. Now, most of you, that won't make sense for money, skill set, and many of you are going to not listen to me anyway and use like Rev or some one of these automated companies and you're going to going to push a button and for a dollar you'll have your automated and that's all fine but for the handful of you out there who are already producing video and you're looking for some kind of trick or tip that the, the seo guy has this is it you just heard it so file it away pay attention to it start to use it and watch your video beat out most other people's um uh, and i may oh in cards and uh in screens are the other two points of my optimization which we, I don't know if we use those either on the MailRight show. So there's eight points that you go through. Um, but guess what? Here's the point of number four. VidIQ for $10 a month no longer means you got to come back into Robert's podcast to hear him talk about those eight points. It automatically tells you what they are, You except for the closed captioning, which is why I spent so much time on it. They tell you what those 10 things are and then all you got are eight things. And you, all you got to do is follow along. And it'll tell you what your score is. It'll even give you some extra credit bonus stuff like sharing on social, which guess what? YouTube does have a metric that lets your videos rank based on how many times it's been shared socially. So it's not one that I focus on, but it is a real metric. So vidIQ for $10 a month shows you all of that. And my, my thing about video is why would you make it if people aren't going to watch it? So if you are going to make it and you do want people to watch it, let's just say you've done that mental journey. Well, then why in the hell would you spend $10 to give your video an, like an 80 to 90% more likelihood that it's going to get found? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Even John, who's, who's already like a fairly good, knowledgeable guy doing a marketing podcast, isn't, didn't necessarily do all the things. As an SEO guy, even though I know most of what I should do, do I do it all? No. So even if you're an expert in the field, you're not oftentimes doing it. So Yeah, I'm gonna it, I I don't I use YouTube buddy myself. They're both competitors, but I just need to hire somebody to help me. It's more it's not I'm not aware of it, um, Robert. It's my excuse, which will be the same excuse to, as our audience will say in their mind, is mm-hmm. time. Um so one of the things to, before we just go for our break, um, I'll just say that um, you've got to be realistic, listeners and viewers. You're busy real estate agents. 
but this is important. So if it's important and you should be doing video, maybe consider getting somebody to help you do these things that Robert's just pointed out. And I'm I'm going to do the same. I'm in the process of hiring somebody to help me with various tasks, which I'm aware of, but I'm not doing on a consistent level. And that individual, which I'm just about to hire, will be helping me up my game around all the some of the things that Robert's just pointed out and some other things that I've not been consistent. And you should consider the same when you've decided that you're going to do this and then you're doing it on a consistent level, um, hiring somebody that can do some of these things that are not in the public eye will, in the end, be very beneficial. So yeah. I think we need to go for a break, don't we, Rob? <clears throat> Let's... Um... If anybody, uh, whatever you're watching us on, please leave us a like, a comment, hit the notification bell if you happen to be watching the whole show on YouTube. Um, we would really appreciate it. Let's go to our break, John. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mail Right Show. John and I are really honored that you're listening to the podcast today. What we're talking about is the top 10 real estate video mistakes that people make. We're down to uh, number four, which was uh, use a plugin. He uses TubeBuddy. I use vidIQ. As far as I've heard, they're about the same in terms of quality and purpose. So I'm not really advocating for one versus another. For any of you who want to support me as a producer, for the first time in my entire career, I included an affiliate link in my top 10 videos mistakes um, to vidIQ. The only reason I put it there is because I use them. I love them. I've been using them for a long time and they've had a major impact on my business. So if you want to sign up for them and you feel like it, do use my affiliate link or use John's if he decides to post some in the MailRite video. Um, all right. So having said that, mistake number five um, Improper Okay, improper YouTube description, which I think that my guy got wrong, actually. I don't know that I said I don't know that Hold on, everybody. Okay, I got it. So number number two, number three was not adding your personal information. Number two is overanalyzing the improper YouTube description is actually correct. So my guy did get it correct. So my bad, everybody to the, that's listening. So it so a YouTube description should actually contain um, a number of um, elements to it. All right, it is an optimization. Part of the video. Okay. So vidIQ does not really talk about descriptions. They say, oh, you should have 250 words, but they're not telling you what the word should be. So what is an improper YouTube description? Well, one, you should, you should clearly outline in brief little paragraphs what the video is about. Some people, most people who go to video platforms, go there to watch the video. All right. But 
every once in a while, you get somebody that really wants to read what the video is about. I've done that on longer videos myself. I've also opened up descriptions to see if there is a video index, which is another part of my descriptions. Now, a video index allows you to leap around the video and tell, like, skip to the pieces of the video that are going to most appeal to you. The idea behind producing any content, whether it's video or a blog post these days in the digital world, is you got to appeal to the microscopic attention spans that people have. I'll bet everybody listening to the show that you're stopping and starting and jumping around listening to this podcast. You probably aren't listening to it all the way through. That's just the nature. <laughs> That's just the nature of being in a digital space. I'm sure our audience is dedicated and listens to every word we say, Robert. Oh, oh yeah? All right, well, we'll see. Anybody that wants to amuse me incredibly, drop a comment. At, tell, tell John whether he's right or wrong. <laughs> um, so uh, not having a description. So a video index is important, making sure that you encapsulize what you've done. You should probably hire somebody to do this for you if you feel like you don't have the time. Using no description is an incredibly large mistake. And of course, at the end of this description, which is different than adding your contact information, if you're going to do nothing at all, at least add your contact information. But once you've gotten past that, get used to understanding that Google is still using text to decide what your video is about. They're using closed captioning. They're using the description. They're using the video index. The more clearly that they understand the video, guess what you get access to? Everybody neglects to, to, to think, to realize where YouTube is doing this because it's not search, which a lot of people don't know. So why go through all the work, you ask? Good question, I say. Here's the reason. They put you in the browse feature when they really understand what the video is about, especially newer content. So oftentimes when I launch a video, I'm getting 100 extra views, don't really know where they come from. They're not coming from my subscribers. When you look at Google Analytics, they're going to say, oh, it's coming from browse features. Why is it coming from browse features? They really understand what the video is about. If you have any credibility as a, as a video producer, for the next few days, they're going to serve you up to people that are broadly searching in your category. It's a really solid way to get yourself introduced to brand new people on your channel. And the only way that it happens is if Google really clearly understands what the video is about and trusts your past record of producing high quality content, those two things. Well, to get to that trust your record, you need to be doing this feature because they understand that you're producing detailed, high quality content at all times and that you always have been. It's a high quality factor. That's why it's even tracked by, by vidIQ. John? Yeah. Um, well, when it, okay, no. well, I've got two insights linked to what you just said, Robert. Number one, with YouTube Buddy um, in their um, help and knowledge base, they really give you some signs when you're using about the description, about the title should be um, in the first paragraph. And they strongly advise that. And in Buddy Boss, they actually give a tool that advises you about what keywords should be in the description. The other okay. thing is in our interview, 
episode 312, where we interviewed a couple of video experts, Jess and Jackson Willie. Jackson Willie, um, he's got his own YouTube channel and he's got a whole group of videos that really delve into this in a lot more detail. And I'll make sure there's a link in that. And um, the other thing is playlists. Um, if people, um, you can put your separate videos into p- playlists on your YouTube channel. And what you find is if people really like your, your content and they really like one or two of your videos, they will tend to do a binge. They will tend to consume, especially if they're trying to learn about an area, they're thinking of moving to an area, and you're providing some really good insight about your town, your region, they will probably binge. And what I mean is they will probably consume four, five, six, seven, or as many videos as they feel they're getting useful information from. If they do that, that's really a strong signal to YouTube about the quality of your channel, and it really will benefit it being shown to a lot of new additional people. Beautiful. Thank you for that, especially that uh, that addition about tracks I had forgotten. And so great, great addition, John. Um, mistake number six, um, not promoting your own content. I already covered this like for two seconds earlier where I said social is a signal for YouTube. Um, so when you produce a video, you should be sharing it on your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter profile, your like anywhere you have one follower, your mother, aunt, uncle, I don't care. Just share it, share it, share it, share it, share it. There's all sorts of great new services for those of you who, who don't know, like, so there's cheaper ways to share. Hootsuite costs a small fortune to share on all plat- platforms simultaneously. And I long ago gave up on their platform. However, there's new ones out there called Hello Wolfie and Hero Post that both are much cheaper and do the same thing. They post to all of your platforms simultaneously. So you enter the content once. You have to take a little time to do the data entry, but especially when you're sharing like a YouTube link and a single thumbnail that you probably already produced for the video, um, you you want to share that to all of your social audience. Um, maybe even a couple times, depending on how broad your reach is and how you feel about the quality of the content that you just produced. My stronger stuff, stuff I've spent many months on, research, deep research projects, I'll share them 5, 10, 15 times over the span of six months to a year. No problem. You should be doing the same. John? Yeah, I think um, you could use these services or you could link it. I really, you know, I really think you should look at uh, Offshore Virtual Assistant, not to help you with some of the office work. This is where you're in your second, third year. And look and look from somebody offshore, probably the Philippines is a good resource because the, the English is their, would I say it's the main language of the Philippines? I think it's, you could say it's the official language of the Philippines. Is, what is? English. Uh, no, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a secondary it's, language. Kind of, what I mean is, 
in officials, in the court system, in um, government, it's a similar situation to Malaysia. Um, um, the Philippines was um, controlled for a period. Um, it's more complicated in the Philippines because Spanish and American English kind of dominate because um, where Malaysia was dominated by Britain. Um, but they so they're kind of quasi-official. Um, English is a quasi-official language in both countries. But um, I think it's really great value to hire somebody from the Philippines to help you with some of the back backdoor work and to get more consistency when it comes to the things that we're discussing in this podcast. It's something that I've changed my attitude about. And secondly, don't go for the cheapest, for God's sake, and spend time interviewing them and being reasonably generous what you pay, because you will get, not always, but normally you do get what you pay for. But compared to the US, it's still excellent value. Over to you, Robert. I agree with what John said. 80% of my team, including some of my higher quality writers, all come out of the Philippines. Uh, it's a solid place to to do this work. I do a massive amount of interviewing, qualifying. It, it is not necessarily a so task easy. for the... Yeah, it's not necessarily a task for the undetermined. Uh, there is a lot of people that message you about jobs. There's a lot of qualification that goes into it. You got to. It's a skill set. So worth it, though. I will. I will just say that John's estimate is low in my book. Um, a high rate on my team is seven fifty. I have a couple supervisory people that I pay far more, but other than that, it's it's that's great pay in the Philippines. You're paying them three times as much as they can make locally, like doing. Good jobs, not shit jobs. Good jobs. You're paying them more than as about as much as a doctor makes there. Yeah, you, for for excellent in U.S. terms, for what you're paying, you're gonna, it's excellent value, and you can obtain somebody of a much higher quality than if you were paying a lot more money. And that's how your mindset should be, um, rather than I'm going to get somebody at some ridiculous some figure that I can brag about in my local real estate office. Um, you um, And it's going to save you bags of time because obviously that person's going to be motivated to stay with you. They're going to be a better quality individual. So you really want to listen to what Robert's got to say about that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I will summarize all everything. We need to have an episode. We need to have an episode on virtual assistance. Yeah, just about that because you've got a lot of knowledge about that. So I think our audience would find that really useful. If you think so, leave a comment on this video or on the Facebook page, and we'll do it. All right. 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 So we'll we'll skip that, but I I want to end close with one thought. So here's the one thought to close with. These, think of it this way. Some people in some parts of the world treat life-changing income with the kind of um, attention and concern that you'd expect. That's what I find when I find a dedicated person. It is a life-changing income. They treat the opportunity that you're giving them the same way, and I never have U.S. resources treated the same. I've paid U.S. resources $60,000, $100,000. And you know what? They 
they just don't have the same intensity or focus as the guy I'm paying nine, 10, eleven dollars an hour to in the Philippines. And it's understandable because life-changing income here in the US is three hundred thousand dollars a year right now. It's not the same, and or at least where I live it is. So I can't I obviously can't get there, like in terms of paying somebody that. I don't know, I don't even know that I pay myself that. So you then have your your guy that it is that for them. My my main guy who runs my projects lives in his own house that he bought with income working for me. I don't live in my own house. That's what I mean, John. It's life changing. And they treat your opportunity. They work on the weekends. They work whenever you ask them to. They get on your hours. They like when you find the right person, it's insane. You'd never get that in the US. And they never complain. Um, all right. Be so like, be like me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't let that one. very regularly, Robert. No, I don't. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, mistake number seven is not adding a location tag. All right. Um, location tags are incredibly important for real estate. This isn't actually a top mistake for outside the real estate space. This is a top mistake for real estate. Hyper local. How many of you heard the term? So important, right? Well, you're sending a signal to Google about where the video has been produced. One of the most powerful things about video is you can declare to Google, this is a video about Van Nuys. This is a video about such and such a subdivision. This is a video about such and such a condominium building. You tag it with the name of the location. If it exists inside Google's database, they connect the video to all parts of search that have to do with that location. So... Look, and, and Google is getting better and better at this location stuff. They're launching can satellites. I, can crap. I ask you a quick question? Because we actually sure. need to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Sure. But linked to that, I know we've got two more points, but we can I've add that to bonus content or we can leave it for another podcast. But when it comes to this um, for locals, do you think it has any relation when um, with Google, when somebody's doing a search on their phone, will that video show up based on the location of their phone at times yeah. to the location of the video, putting this information you just said? Uh, it does depend on, uh, so there is some location elements. Uh, it could affect hyperlocal based on your location and the video could come up as part of your hyperlocal depending on, on where and how you produce the video, like where you put it and how many different places you're pushing it out. But absolutely location is a factor inside how and what type of content Google serves up to you. No doubt about it. So using that general, much broad answer, yes, it's impactful. So are we going to wrap up the podcast and are we going to have some bonus content and you go through the last two or do you just want to wrap up the podcast now? I, I need to take a, I need to step away for one more second, but then I'll be back. Yeah. So let's wrap up and we're going to have bonus content, folks, which uh, after Robert um, finishes the podcast, you can go over to the Mel Riot YouTube channel and you can watch the end of this great episode where I think, with Robert's help, we've really produced some fantastic knowledge here. We've had a bomb fest of knowledge, haven't we, Robert? We really have. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. You can find, you can follow me on YouTube since today is definitely a piece of my content. I'm going to do something I don't do a lot. I'm going to plug myself a bit. But follow me on YouTube, which is YouTube forward slash inbound REM. Follow my website, in, Inbound 
the word inbound, R-E-M, rabbitedwardmichael.com. And you can um, uh, reach out to me or add you. Just just come to my website and drop a form on my, like any of my contact forms. And um, maybe if you remember this, so I, I will know you came from the podcast because I just wrote a book, my first, and I'm in the process of getting it published on Google. It is a book that is talking about the two or three world-class content marketers that actually exist in real estate, how they've probably pulled down about a billion dollars in production between the three of them. So total sales, not, not GCI. However, I analyze what they've done and teach you how to do it yourself. That sounds interesting to you. Remember this and say, Robert, send me your book and I will send you a book I'm going to sell for $40 for free because you remembered. All right. So let's go to, um, let's go to break or let's, Wrap up and we see you soon, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Awesome.